0: Welcome to You News, the podcast, using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Wednesday, January 6th. I'm Andrea Linares. These are today's headlines. History being made in Georgia with the balance of power at play in the Senate. The state electing its first black senator, the Democrat. Reverend Raphael Warnock, the second of the two runoff races too close to call at the moment. In Washington, D.C., thousands of supporters expected to rally behind the outgoing president as Trump continues to insist falsely that Vice President Mike Pence has the power to overturn today's congressional certification of the November election. And Arizona, emerging as yet another coronavirus hotspot, joining Southern California as one of the nation's hardest-hit areas. Confirmed COVID cases here in the U.S., now topping 21 million. This and much more today on You News, transmitting live from our newsroom in Miami. One down, one more race to go to decide which party will control the U.S. Senate. The Democrats can now claim the first victory with Reverend Raphael Warnock beating Republican incumbent Kelly Loeffler. And it was a historic win. Meanwhile, votes are still being tallied in the race between Republican incumbent David Perdue and Democratic challenger John Ossoff. History made in Georgia overnight, a victory for Raphael Warnock, making him the state's first black senator.
1: I am going to the Senate to work for all of Georgia.
0: Warnock is a prominent black preacher at Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, a pulpit that once belonged to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. The senator is projected to defeat Senator Kelly Loeffler, a strong supporter of the president who is still not conceding this morning.
1: We have a path to victory and we're staying on it.
0: In the other Senate race here in Georgia between Republican Senator David Perdue and Democrat candidate John Ossoff, it is still too close to call. Democrats need to win both seats to win control of the Senate, and they already have control of the White House and the House of Representatives.
2: This was a political earthquake in Georgia. It leaves Democrats with the very real possibility of taking control of the Senate for the first two years of Joe Biden's term. And it punctures the myth of infallibility, of unbeatability that President Trump has created inside the Republican Party.
0: Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and the Republicans only needed to win one of the two races here to keep control of the Senate, giving them the chance to put a stop to the incoming president's agenda. President Trump has been a constant presence in the election here, criticizing the state's election officials and claiming without evidence the November votes were rigged. Some Republicans fear the president's claims may have suppressed GOP turnout.
2: It is an extraordinary turnout when you look at 4.5 to 4.6 million people, there's two things you see. The Democratic turnout continued to go up um, in, this, uh, in this runoff based on what the projections were. And that in some of the rural areas of Georgia, um, you know, Republican turnout was not what people expected. And so there's going to be a lot of dissecting of why that was the case um, and who to blame.
0: Now, let's remember that candidates can request a recount for any race with any margin of 0.5%. Meanwhile, another big event happening today in a joint session. Congress preparing to start the largely ceremonial receiving of the electoral college votes for president and vice president. A number of Republicans in both chambers still planning to object to the count and delay the inevitable certification of president-elect Joe Biden's win. And just blocks away, thousands of Trump supporters are gathering for what may be the most intense protests yet. Those supporters continuing to insist, with no evidence, that there was widespread fraud in the November general election. Edwin Piti is right there and brings us the very latest on this. Edwin. <laughs>
3: Hi, Andrea. That's right. If anybody had any doubts on the power of President Trump's political power, here you have it. And I'm saying that because look at the amount of people who have gathered here at the elites of the White House. I had the opportunity to arrive here a little bit before 5.30 in the morning, and the lines were endless, pretty much surrounding the Washington Monument here in Washington, D.C., everybody expecting to hear from President Donald Trump. Now, I had the chance to talk to many people, and they were excited about the line up of speakers here today including don and uh, eric trump both sons of president donald trump but also people were excited to hear directly from president donald trump himself take a listen
1: all vice president pence has to do is send it back to the states to recertify and we become president and you are the happiest people
3: Now, the situation today has been a little bit different from yesterday, where thousands also gathered in Freedom Plaza, right in downtown D.C. Late at night, many of the protesters clashed with the police, and that resulted in the arrest of six people. But the situation today has been quite different, Andrea. People have been just gathering here. However, many of them are not wearing masks, but they are here celebrating democracy because they are thankful to be able to have their voices heard and to listen directly from President Donald Trump. Now, after the president was done talking, all of them started making their way to Capitol Hill, where, as we speak, the Senate is uh, counting the votes of the Electoral College. That is uh, an ongoing situation. So, of course, we're going to have the latest once that process is done. That's the information I have from Washington, D.C. Andrea, back to you.
0: Thank you, Edwin, for that reporting from Washington, D.C. And the president at that rally also said that he will never give up and never concede. And despite pressure from President Trump, sources say Vice President Mike Pence won't block the certification of President-elect Joe Biden's win. These sources say Pence told the president he doesn't have the power to derail the process. But that's not the official word from Team Trump. The campaign tweeted out a statement from the president saying he and Pence are in total agreement and that Pence has the constitutional authority to decertify the results or send them back to the states. Joining us now is Chris Liu. He served as White House Cabinet Secretary under President Obama, and he's now a senior fellow at the University of Virginia's Miller Center. Thank you so much for being here today on such a busy day, Chris. Welcome once again.
2: Thank you so much.
0: Chris, so what impact will the results of the runoff races in Georgia have on President-elect Joe Biden's presidency?
2: Well, it's a big deal, because when you have control of the Senate, you have the ability to get your nominees through. And that's going to be critical in the first instance in getting the cabinet through. But it's also going to be important in terms of filling judgeships. But I think beyond that, trying to move forward on some of the important initiatives, whether it is on economic relief to Americans, whether it's climate change, um, having control of the agenda of the Senate will make a big deal. That being said, there is still the filibuster in the Senate. So uh, you're going to have to work in a bipartisan manner uh, in order to get big legislation done.
0: If Democrat John Ossoff wins the race against Republican incumbent Purdue, the Senate will then be split 50-50. How exactly will all this play out? Many people wonder, will anything get accomplished during this Congress?
2: Well, look, I think these election results show uh, a momentum, show a support for the president-elect's priorities. You know, he went down to Georgia, and he wasn't talking about election fraud. He was talking about uh, getting uh, the COVID under control. He was talking about providing $2,000 of checks um, uh, to—stimulus checks about solving the problems uh, that affect our country right now. But The president-elect has always said it doesn't matter whether there are 48 Democrats or 50 Democrats in the U.S. Senate. We need to work together with people on both sides of the political aisle to solve these big problems. So I think it certainly gives him a a big advantage in moving his agenda forward. But I don't think it's going to change his fundamental governing principle of trying to work uh, with Republicans in solving these problems.
0: Now, let's go ahead and talk about the electoral college certification process, which is going on as we speak. President Trump says Vice President Pence has the power to reject electoral college votes. What can we actually expect to hear or see from Pence today?
2: Well, according to press accounts, uh, he is going to do what he is constitutionally allowed to do, which is simply uh, to open the envelopes uh, and then read the numbers. Um, He has no ability under the U.S. Constitution or under federal law to change what is uh, written on these electoral counts. You know, he might make a statement expressing support with the president about these uh, unfounded allegations of voter fraud, but he is a functionary. He's he's no different than, as other people said, um, standing in front reading the Academy Award winner. He doesn't get to decide who the winner is. He simply reads what's on the envelope.
0: Now, a group of Republicans is still planning to object to the certification process, despite Trump not only losing the White House, losing control of the House of Representatives, and now perhaps even losing the Senate. What are their intentions by doing this?
2: Well, I think they're trying to show their loyalty to the President because, again, there's no constitutional provision that allows them to do what they're doing, nor is there any reasonable chance of success. At the end of the day, uh, an overwhelming majority, I think of Republicans in the u s Senate uh, will will vote against uh, this Uh, uh, procedure that they're trying to employ. Um, I think this is really simply trying to play to Donald Trump's base. Um, This is kind of the last hurrah for loyalty to this president. But it will drag out the proceedings probably through this evening, possibly into tomorrow morning. But at the end of the day, Joe Biden uh, will be certified as the president-elect. It's
0: a long process up ahead, like you said, probably up until tomorrow. Now, as a result of everything that we've been seeing in the past couple of uh, weeks and months, it's caused quite a deep divide within the GOP now during the final days of the Trump presidency. So what's at stake for individual members and for the Republican Party as a whole?
2: I think what is very clear is that Donald Trump wants to continue to be a force in the Republican Party for years to come, whether he actually runs for president or not, which I'm sort of doubtful about. um, He wants to control the agenda. He wants to control uh, the politics of the party. And I think that is, as you say, it's pulling the party in two different directions. You have more establishment, uh, conservative uh, people who are uh, faithful to the Constitution who are saying, like, look, um, what is happening right now on on the floor um, it's not constitutional. This is not what the founders inti- uh, intended. This is not our uh, right to overturn the will of the people. And then there's a whole other group of people that are simply posturing, uh, and they're probably posturing because they hope to run for president in 2024. So I think this dynamic you see today, this divide, I think will continue for years to come.
0: Well, thank you so much, Chris Liu, former Obama senior White House cabinet member. You take care. Thank you. And we have some breaking news to report at this time. Several outlets, including CNN and The New York Times, are saying that Joe Biden has selected Judge Merrick Garland to serve as his attorney general. According to two people with knowledge of the decision, Biden selected Garland over former Democratic Senator Doug Jones and former Deputy Attorney General Sally Yates, choosing to elevate the chief judge of the United States Court of Appeals in DC to run the Justice Department. In 2016, President Barack Obama nominated Garland to serve on the Supreme Court, but his nomination was stalled by Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell during the last six months of Obama's presidency. And in other news out of Washington, U.S. investigators are pointing a finger at Russia following a massive hack of U.S. government computer networks. In a joint statement, intelligence and law enforcement agencies said the attack likely did originate in Russia. They said the attack is believed to be an intelligence-gathering effort, but it's still unclear how far it went. The breach was announced last month when Russia was immediately seen as a potential culprit. Hackers broke into roughly half a dozen and government agencies, plus a string of private U.S. companies. The incident is considered the most serious cyber operation against the U.S. in years, but Russia has denied any role in this breach. And with just days left in the Trump administration, some civil rights protections for minority groups might be at risk. The Department of Justice is asking for the White House's approval to change the enforcement of a major federal law, according to the New York Times. The Times reports if the change is approved, protections for intentional discrimination cases would remain in place, but not for cases where a so-called disparate impact was felt by minorities. Title VI of the Civil Rights Act prohibits discrimination on the basis of race, color, and national origin in programs and activities receiving federal financial assistance. A record number of deaths reported yet again in the U.S. This as hospitalizations keep climbing and the National Guard gets activated in several states to help administer vaccines faster. In New York City, the mayor announcing his own plans. Lorraine Caceres has more details.
1: The U.S. reaching a grim coronavirus milestone again. Data showing California, Arizona, and Rhode Island have the highest infection rates per capita in the world. Among those states, Arizona is in the lead. Patients there driving as far as six hours to find an open ICU bed.
3: I consider myself lucky. That they
2: just have me on oxygen.
1: Meanwhile, in tiny but densely populated Rhode Island, the virus spreading like a wildfire, contributing to the outbreak, a large population of nursing home residents and low-wage workers who can't afford to work from home. On Tuesday, the country set a record on deaths again: 3,775 people dying due to COVID-19, surpassing the previous high a week ago. Right now, more than 21 million infections have been reported in hospitalizations nationwide stand at more than 131,000. On the slow vaccine rollout, Dr. Anthony Fauci speaking out, urging the public to have some patience. Slow starts are not uncommon. In New York City, the mayor taking action, announcing mass vaccination centers, one in each borough, and asking the governor not to threaten hospitals with fines.
2: Why don't we stop talking about fines and start talking about the freedom to vaccine? We are going to move with every conceivable speed, capacity, creativity, flexibility to do what we can do. But we need help from the state government. We need help from the federal government.
1: Meanwhile, in Nebraska, Governor Pete Ricketts stirring controversy, saying undocumented workers at meatpacking plants where large outbreaks have occurred will have to wait at the back of the line to receive the vaccine, citing legal residents and citizens have priority and employing undocumented immigrants is illegal. Down south in Florida, those 65 and older lining up for their doses, some being turned away for lack of hospital resources. This, as the Washington Post reports, a West Palm Beach nursing home offered wealthy donors the vaccine, even though their limited supply is supposed to be exclusively intended for residents and staff. And the nursing home involved in that controversy has not made any comments regarding the situation so far. Meanwhile, the National Guard has been activated in at least 15 states to help administer the vaccine among those Arizona, uh, Maryland, and also North Carolina. Back to you, Andrea. Thank you, Lorraine, for that report.
0: And the current coronavirus crisis in Los Angeles County is impacting not only hospitals, but the critical work of the county's ambulance services. Grecia Lastra takes a look at the impossible situation some EMTs are being put in.
4: Hospital overflow from COVID-19 is creating an overload for paramedics and ambulances to the extent that a new guideline has been introduced to stop the transfer of patients with little probability of survival. Adult patients with traumatic or non-traumatic cardiac arrest outside the hospital will not be transported if spontaneous return of circulation is not achieved on
3: site.
4: Paramedics are being given the ability to pronounce patients using a physician's coordinates. It requires that they make that contact before making the statement that this patient is deceased.
1: Many hospitals have reached a point of crisis.
4: Many hospitals
1: have reached a level of
4: crisis and have no space. Patients have been kept inside ambulances for hours. During Christmas week, the Emergency Medical Services Office reported that up to 19 ambulances were waiting in line to release patients at a hospital, while other patients have had to look for another alternative to reach a medical center. I called the ambulance and they didn't arrive. I had to call a friend and he took me as soon as he could. For now, the public is discouraged from calling 911 unless absolutely necessary. Starting next week, patients arriving by ambulances will be placed on stretchers outside the hospitals to make the ambulances available to other patients. These mobile units have several portable stretchers, so they will leave the patient at the hospital in order to be available for other emergency calls. In Los Angeles County, the worst is still expected after a surge in contagion during the holidays. And it is possible that the ambulances will continue to be overwhelmed, as there are no other medical centers to go to. Reported by Dulce Castellanos in Los Angeles, this is Grecia Lastra for UNews.
0: And the two new variants of the coronavirus are not likely to make the current vaccines useless and that's the word from multiple experts who spoke on Tuesday. They say the new strains one discovered in England and the other in South Africa appear to be more transmissible. But a University of Pennsylvania expert says the human immune response can still deal with their mutations and that's because the immune system makes a variety of antibodies. So some of them are likely to work. Another expert from the University University of Washington posted a study which is yet to be reviewed it shows that at least some people's antibodies can overcome mutated viruses More of you news after this short break Welcome back to You News. And Macy's will be closing more stores. The country's largest department store chain is expected to announce the exact number of stores it plans to close by the middle of this year. This as the retailer struggles to stay relevant at a time when shoppers are doing their buying online. The department store chain announced in February 2020 that it planned to cut 2,000 jobs and close to one-fifth of its stores would close. That means roughly 125 25 locations over the next couple of years. And another retailer announcing similar news. 43 Bed, Bath & Beyond stores will shut their doors by the end of February. These include stores in 19 states and Puerto Rico. Back in July, the home goods retailer announced it was planning to close 200 stores over the next two years. 63 of them closed their doors at the end of 2020. Meanwhile, Amazon is buying 11 used Boeing 767-300 jets, jets as it pushes for faster delivery amid a pandemic-fueled surge in online orders. Amazon has been steadily building up its air cargo fleet through leasing agreements, but today's announcement marks its first-ever outright aircraft purchase. And now listen to this. The Mega Millions lottery jackpot just climbed to nearly half a billion dollars. That's right. Nobody won the jackpot in Tuesday's drawing. That pushes the price from $447 million to an estimated 490 million. The cash payout is now $372.3 million, almost nothing, which could be the eighth largest jackpot in Mega Millions history. Despite the jackpot rolling over, there were some other notable wins. Four tickets won the game's second prize of at least $1 million. Not bad.